talk about getting thirsty for uh, another part of life, and that is to get thirsty for uh, God's love. If you remember last week, we met this uh, woman at the well, and uh, we discovered some things about her and discovered how thirsty she was for just a different kind of life. You remember that? That the kind of life she was living was not heading in a great direction, and uh, she had this encounter with Jesus, and as a result of the encounter with Jesus, she discovered uh, a new kind of life. Now, when we look at the woman, if you remember, we also discover that uh, when she came to that well, she came with some baggage. Remember? Uh, Jesus said, uh, go get your husband. The woman says, I don't have a husband. He said, yeah, I know. And the five you've had before, right? She had some baggage. <laughs> you need to get thirsty for God's love. Because we all carry baggage. We all carry baggage. And it's only God's love, this, this thirst, this constant thirst, everyday thirst for God's love. They can put that baggage in the past and put us in a proper place. The first observation I'd uh, encourage you to get thirsty about this morning is you get thirsty for God's love is to understand that God's love moves us out of our past. It moves us out of our past. I'll give you a story about, the, about that to show you how the past kind of hangs with us. It goes back to the uh, subway series between the uh, what was then the Brooklyn Dodgers and the uh, New York Yankees. And... Uh, for those of you that were living at that time, uh, no, probably not in this room, huh? Uh, <laughs> it was a great series. Everybody talks about the Subway Series if you're a baseball a historian kind of guy. It was a great series, and uh, the Yankees went up in the first game. The Dodgers came back, and they tied up the series. Then the Yankees went up, and the Dodgers fought back, and it was this back-and-forth battle. And uh, the Yankees were up by a game, and the Dodgers were fighting back. It was the bottom of the ninth. Uh, there were two outs. Uh, a guy named Tommy Henrik was up to bat. And he had like uh, uh, three balls and two strikes on him. And the pitch came in, and he took a mighty swing at the pitch and missed it by a mile. But unfortunately, uh, the catcher, uh, Mickey Owen, didn't catch the ball properly, and instead it hit the heel of his glove. It rolled off away from the plate, and Tommy Henrik ran the first base and was safe. And of course, the announcer was saying, he dropped the ball! He dropped the ball! Heard that phrase before? He dropped the ball. It's become part of our cultural phraseology, isn't it? Part of our cultural kind of terms. Say, well, he dropped the ball on that one. It comes from Mickey Owen. He dropped the ball. And, of course, uh, Joe DiMaggio came up and the rally started. The net result was the uh, Yankees won the game and the Dodgers ended up uh, losing the series. Now, what you, you may not know about Mickey Owen is he was a pretty incredible ball player. Uh, Mickey Owen, uh, in and of himself, uh, achieved some pretty incredible stuff. For instance, he set the record for the most errorless errorless fielding choices by a catcher at 508 times. Pretty impressive, you bet. Uh, he was uh, an all-star four consecutive years from 1941 to 1942 or 44. In 1942, he became the first player to pinch hit a home run in an all-star game. 
during the 1944 regular season, he became the third National League catcher to ever complete an unassisted double play. He was an awesome ball player. Yet a few years ago, back in 2005, when Mickey Owen died, the uh, New York Times ran his obituary, and the headline for the obit said, Mickey Owen dies at 89, a loud, fateful, past ball. What's he remembered for? He dropped the ball. It's his baggage. He dropped the ball. He accomplished all these great things as a ball player. What's he remembered for? His baggage. He dropped the ball. You see, it's the way it works. The world tries to define us by our baggage. You know this to be true. Think back to junior high. Right? Think back to junior high. Did you get defined by your great successes or by your baggage? You see, the world always tries to do that. It tries to define us by our baggage. Oh, he's slow. Or, oh, you know, she's just lazy. Or, they're a loser. Heard that stuff? See, the world wants to put tags on all of us. And those tags try to define us. And if you allow them to define you, you will always live your life in your past and in your baggage. Get thirsty. Get thirsty for God's love. Because God's love is the only thing that can move us out of our past. Let me show you how Paul uh, defines it in the Scripture. He wrote to the Ephesians, and he comes straight on defining our baggage pretty clearly. He says, in the past you were dead. Baggage? A pretty heavy loaded baggage. In the past... You were dead. Now, what you got to know about that word is he's not using that word in some kind of future tense to say, well, you know, you're spiritually dead and sometime you'll be dead. And, you know, no, he's saying in present tense, you were dead. It means if you're walking around and Christ isn't uh, pouring his love into your life, you're not receiving God's love. You are a walking around dead person. You're not really alive. You're not really experiencing the life that God created you to experience. You are dead. And the only thing that moves us from the tag of being dead, from the baggage that comes with death, is this incredible love that God has for us. He says, because you sinned and fought against God, you followed the ways of this world and you obeyed the devil. You're dead. Why? Well, because you're following the baggage, because you're following the ways of the world. You're letting the world give you direction. You're letting the world define you. You're accepting those tags that the world wants to put on you. And instead of following God's way, you're letting somebody else move in and take control of your life. He goes on, he says, He, the devil, rules the world and his spirit has power over everyone who doesn't obey God. If you're not obeying God, somebody else is giving direction to your life. And you're walking around dead. He says, once we were also ruled by the selfish desires of our bodies and our minds. You see, it shows ourself when we accept these tags, we let them get into our minds and we let them define who we are. And we live lives not the way God wants us to, but we live selfish lives. 
We live lives around what we want. I told the first service before the meeting, I'll tell you guys after the meeting, kind of a sub-note to our meeting this, this morning. I hope you guys realize what an incredible opportunity we have right now. I mean, not, not just to build a building, but what an incredible opportunity we have because of the way the economy is right now. Because the world is telling us, oh, you can't do it. Oh, no, you got to watch out. It's really bad. You can't do it. The world's trying to put tags on us. The world's trying to put tags on the way we're supposed to live and tell us how we're supposed to be and how we're supposed to manage our money. Say, oh, you can't do it. you got to hold on to everything. This is such an incredible opportunity for us to say, look, no, wait a minute. We live according to God's principles, and so we tithe. We live according to God's purposes. We're going to do what He wants us to do. And that means we're ready to sacrifice because we don't live for ourselves. We live for God. See, that's the distinction. It's saying the world is not going to define us and rule us. We are going to live according to what God desires. If we don't, life gets messed up. He says, we had made God angry and we were going to be punished like everyone else. You see, if you let those baggage tags define you, your life's just going to get messed up. Let's go back to the woman at the well. Would you say her life was messed up? Before God's love got in, wouldn't you say her life was messed up? I bet you go talk to the five guys she was with beforehand, they'd tell you she's pretty messed up. Yes? Number six was probably thinking about it. Pretty messed up. You see the way it is? When you let the tags and the baggage define who you are, your life gets messed up. And the only thing that can move you from that deadness to life is to get thirsty for God's love. God's love moves us to a future. Paul makes an exclamation point kind of statement with verse 4. He says, but God was merciful. You see that exclamation point? Hey, there's hope. You don't have to live there anymore. God was merciful. There's a future. You don't have to be in the past anymore. Why? God was merciful. Because God was merciful. Because God's love for you is so absolutely incredible. Our past and our baggage and all the tags of the world... They don't have power over us anymore. They don't need to define us or control us because God was merciful. It's already happened. You don't have to wait for it. God was merciful. It's already available. God loves us so much. God loves us so much. And it's not because we earned it. It's, it's not because we're great people. No, we got baggage. It's because of who God is. God just simply is love. You know that, right? When I say God is, you say love. God is love. We all know that. God is, it's His nature. It's not because of us. It's because of Him. It's because of who God is. And because God loves us, because of who He is, He moves us from that deadness of the past to a future. And that means God makes us alive. He made the woman at the well alive. Wow, did her life get changed. She left all the baggage at the well, not just the bucket. She left all the tags that defined her and all those people trying to define her. She left it all at the well. 
And her life became alive. Paul says it this way. We were dead because of our sins, but God loved us so much. How much? So much. Do you see that? Not just a little tiny bit. So much. God loved us so much that He made us alive with Christ. And God's wonderful kindness is what saves us. God loves us because of who He is. And that love is never ending. It is never ending. There is no limit on that love for us. It's when we get that, when we get that, then life takes off. Paul says it this way, In the same way, you must think of yourselves as dead to the power of sin. But Christ Jesus has given life to you, and you live for God. What do you need to think? Those tags, that baggage, that death, that's gone. you got to think that. You've got to remind yourself of that. You've got to put your head there. You've got to get up in the morning and say, Hey, I'm not going to live a dead life. I'm not going to let anybody else define me. I'm not going to let other things influence me and tell me how I'm supposed to live my life except for God. Did you see that, what Paul said? Now you live for God. That's what defines us. Now that's not easy because we're ready to look at ourselves and even put those tags on ourselves. The story goes like this. There were two, uh, two dairy cows out in the field. 18-wheeler went down the highway right next to the field. And uh, they looked over to the 18-wheeler and on the side of the truck, you know, it uh, had cows on it, of course. And then it said, pasteurized, homogenized, standardized, vitamin A added. And one of the dairy cows looked at the other one and said, makes you feel inadequate, doesn't it? See, we're so good at that, aren't we? We're so good at that. We're so good at thinking about other things and feeling and, and defining ourselves even as somehow inadequate. Well, we are. But God's love is not. God's love is not. God's love puts us in our place. You ever hear somebody use that phrase? Well, I put them in their place. You heard that before? Never directed to you, of course. Right? You ever think about that phrase? I put them in their place as if they know where your place ought to be. Right? They're defining your place. I put them in their place because I decided that's the place they ought. Here's the deal. God has decided your place. And it's awesome. God has decided out of His incredible love for you to ignore all the baggage, to ignore all the tags, to ignore all the influences, to ignore even the powers of evil in your life and say, look, I got a place for you. I got a place for you. Let me put you in your place. God raised us from death to life with Christ Jesus and He has given us a place beside Christ in heaven. Is this a good place? He now connects us out of His incredible love for us to the ruler of the universe. And the ruler of the universe rules every day and every night with you in mind. And He loves you without measure. That's your place. That's your place. But you need to receive and think and know and understand and believe and take hold of that place. Paul says, you have been raised to life with Christ. Watch this one. Now set your heart on what is in heaven where Christ rules at God's right side. Watch this one. 
Think about what is up there, not about what is here on earth. You died, which means that your life is hidden with Christ who sits beside God. Watch this. Christ gives meaning to your life. And when He appears, you will also appear with Him in glory. Has He got a place for you? But you've got to get your heart and you've got to get your mind every day in that place. You've got to look at the mirror and say, not, boy, does it make me feel inadequate. You've got to look in your mirror and say, I am an incredible, loved creation of the Almighty God who rules the universe in spite of my baggage, in spite of all those definitions I had to live with before. I am incredibly loved. I'm going to put my heart on that. I'm going to put my mind on that. I'm going to set myself with Christ. That's who I'm going to align with. That's who I'm going to connect with. I'm going to align myself in every moment, in every thought, in every desire with Christ. That's what comes first. Because Christ loves me so incredibly without measure. Now here's what happens. When you get there, when you get in that place, you become an incredible billboard for God. You become an incredible signpost for God. God's love uses our lives for others. Here it is in the text. God did this, what? He loved you like this. He looked past your baggage. He looked past your inadequacy. He looked past all this stuff the world's trying to bring you. God did this and loved you so incredible and put you in this place so that in the future world, He could show how truly good and kind He is to us because of what Christ Jesus has done. What's He want to do? He wants to show off. He wants to show off. He wants to show you off to the rest of the world. He wants the rest of the world to look at you and say, Hey, look at the place they're at. You could have this place too. He wants to lift you up and show you off. Not point out your inadequacies. Not let the world define you. Not let anybody else rule in your life. He wants to build you up and show you off so that other people will get thirsty for that place. He uses our lives to get other people thirsty. And this is an incredible gift. All this love He does for us, all this He accomplished for us, just because He loves us, it's a gift. You can't earn it. You can't buy it. You can't buy a lottery ticket for it. He just gives it. It's God's love and it gives a gift. The text says, this is God's gift to you and not anything you have done on your own. It isn't something you've earned, so there is nothing you can brag about it. See, you don't have to brag about it. Your life brags for God. See, it's not about bragging for you. He's saying, look, your life is about bragging for God, that other people are going to look at you and say, that, that's awesome. <laughs> And they're going to get thirsty. And it's God then who makes us what we are. It's God who defines us. See, you can let go of the baggage. You can let go of people trying to define you. You can let go of other people trying to put you in your place. Because you know God has loved you. Paul says it this way. God planned for us to do good things and to live as He has always wanted us to live. That's why, that's why He sent Christ to make us 
what we are. Who makes us what we are? God in Christ, right? What Christ accomplished, that's what makes us who we are. We are incredible, loved children of God. Paul says it in, to the Romans that way. God's Spirit makes us sure. Notice that word? It makes us sure. Not questioning, doubting, wondering, could be, maybe, possibly. God's, it makes us sure that we are His children. He just put you in your place. He just defined who you were. When you go out tomorrow and you go out into that world, you can live thirsty for this incredible love of God. An incredible love of God that moves you from all the baggage of the past into an identity and a place that says, I am a loved, I am a loved child of God who sits with Jesus Christ. There is no better place. Get thirsty, folks. Get thirsty for that love. While the band comes up, let's pray. Father, we come to you today and we really are thirsty. We're thirsty. Thirsty to be able to let go of our past and to, to let go of all the baggage and let go of all the folks that try to define us other than you. And We're thirsty, Lord. We're thirsty for a new life like that woman at the well. We're thirsty to really be alive. We're thirsty to be connected with Jesus, to set our minds and our hearts on Him, to let Him be the guide and, and the ruler of our lives, that we can do all things so that others will look and say, Wow! What an incredible life for God. Father, keep us in the right place. Keep us in that place where we just receive your love. Receive your love and receive your love. Keep us in that place where we know no matter what happens, you choose us. We ask it through Jesus Christ who gave up all things that we might live. In his holy and precious name. Amen.